once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. We're pleased to bring you the message from this week's worship service. For more information about this message, this week's teacher, and to watch or see other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. We are taught this week by lead teacher Randy Pope. Thank you for joining us today. Now in camp, we, uh, we divide up each of the various five age levels, and each gets on a team. So there are two teams in each of five different age levels. And we call those juniors, the youngest, then D1, D2, then Delta, and then Ozone. So we have these five. So when, you, when your kids come check in, or if you have anybody you're inviting or any of your friends come, know that their kids will be in an age-appropriate group, and they have a counselor, uh, one of these 250 or so counselors that invest in just a handful of uh, little boys, little girls. And in doing so, they uh, divide each team is on one of two different teams. So every little group uh, a counselor and his or her uh, counselees that are in or the uh, kids that are in it, they're going to join one of two teams and they're going to compete against each other all week long until there's a total and they know who wins. And so it was a big deal for a couple of our grandkids as they were talking about, is it going to be the sharks or the ducks that won? And, you know, after day four out of a thousand, couple thousand points or whatever there were, there was a one point separation in their group. That's how close. It was closest in the history of, of the entire camp. It was an exciting night at, uh, at the Pope home, just <laughs> waiting to see what would happen the next day. And I had a, I had a couple of uh, ducks uh, at our home, and uh, the ducks got beat by the sharks. It was a hard day the next day, but they're all divided in. What we're going to do is I'm going to find out how many, first of all, how many of you here, uh, just by, I'm going to have you maybe stand. If you have come to camp as a camper, you've come to camp, or you're in the camp this year, you've already done it, or you're coming next year, maybe one of the next years, but your camp, no, or you've been in one of the past years, I should say that, you've been in one of the past years. If you have had a camp experience already or you're registered to come this year, would you stand? Let me just see how many kids are in here right now that are in that, that group. All right. All right. Very good. Very good. Very good. All right. You, you can be seated. Now, here's what I like to do. I'm going to divide you up into two teams, and we're going to do a little competing today. All right? Told you it's going to be a little different. We're going to take, in the juniors, the first age group, there's thunder and lightning. So thunder will be on one team, lightning will be on the other. Ducks in D1 and sharks. So we're going to have two teams, so thunder and ducks on one team, lightning and sharks on the other. And we'll keep adding to the team. On team one, I'll call it thunder, ducks, and then you've got alpha. You'll be on that team, team one. Team two will add omega, all right? Then if you're in Lions, among the Delta age group, Lions, you're on team one. Eagles, you're on team two. With me? And then you got your Ozone, Romans on team one, Galatians on team two. All right? So it's Thunder, Ducks, Alpha, Lions, and Romans. So if you've been on one of those teams at some point in time, if you've been on one of those, I want to hear from you just for one quick second. Just scream out real loud. All right? Now, all right, 
If you've been in the Lightning Sharks, Omega Eagles, or Galatians, I want to hear from you right now. All right, so we're back pretty evil. We're going to do a little competing here, and it's going to be competing in remembering what I say. <laughs> and we're going to do the competition at the very end, and then congregation at large is going to be the, the judge to determine, okay? So I want you to hear, I'm going to make this so very, very, very simple that you can leave with it, but more importantly, parents and kids, I'm doing you a favor, and I mean this. If your kids understand what I'm about to say. They got an advantage spiritually like few people. I'm telling you, that's how important this is. And so I want you to learn. I'm going to make it very simple, a little outline that you'll be able to learn at the very end. We'll just kind of scream out and see uh, who can remember them, okay? But uh, I'll leave that to the very end. What if there were a magical story? And I don't mean a make-believe one. But there's a magical story that when heard and understood becomes a ticket that can take whoever has that ticket into an enchanted land of adventure, fulfillment, satisfaction, and even into eternity, into a blissful eternity. What if there were such a story that could do that? What if the opinion that you carried was that there's a 50-50 chance that there's that kind of story and that when you have really heard the story and understood it, at that point, you now have a ticket that if you choose to use it, can take you into that enchanted land. Do you think you would want to take the time to hear the story? I bet every person would say, yes, if there were such a thing. Now, there may be people say, I don't believe there's such a story. I don't buy it. I don't think there's such a thing. There's no such place as an enchanted land, an adventure such you're talking about. I don't think there's an eternal bliss that even is, is at risk in not having such a ticket. Well, that's one thing. But if you think there is a chance, then you certainly want to hear the story. I'll even go this far. That if that same adventure carries with it suffering and pain, but there is an eternal bliss to it, and at the same time that you're suffering and going through pain because you're in the adventure, that you still have an unbelievable fulfillment and satisfaction, unlike any life you could ever experience other way, if that were possible because of that ticket, you would still say, I want the ticket, I want to use it. Certainly we would. And by the way, I'm convinced, I'm absolutely convinced there is such a ticket. And the ticket is called the gospel. It is the gospel. If you understand the gospel, not just hearing the gospel, but understanding the gospel, that ticket takes you into an adventure that I've been able to experience and many here have. And here's what's so interesting, kids. This is true. I don't know how many thousands of people I've dealt with who would say, I got the ticket and I've used the ticket and I've gone on that adventure. I don't recall one. There may be some out there, but I'll tell you, they are so few. I don't remember them who would say, you know, because of the suffering and the pain 
that goes with getting on that adventure, I, I, would, never, I would never do it again. I don't know people that have done that. Everybody I hear says, oh, I'm on the adventure, and there is some pain, and there's some suffering, but I wouldn't change it for the world. If I have it to do all over again, I jump back into it one more time. I take that ticket, I utilize that ticket, and I go on that adventure again. There would be no doubt about it. Now, here's the problem. There are counterfeit tickets out there. There are some extremely close looking as if they're the real thing, but they are counterfeits. Need to know this as well. Not only is there the authentic ticket, there is a counterfeit ticket, and there is a real ticket, but it's distorted. It's been so blurred. It's been so, you, it's just not everything it could be. And I want us to put the gospel into three categories. The authentic gospel, the counterfeit gospel, and a distorted gospel. I'm going to close in just a few minutes, and I'm going to tell my story as a, a young kid who got exposed to one of those gospels. They thought they had had the right gospel I thought I had the right gospel. I didn't. I was exposed to a, another gospel, thought I had it pretty clearly then, and then realized that oh, it was really a distorted version, and then I came to the real thing. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, first of all, if you look at your outline, you can just absolutely skip point number two. It's deleted. Too many kids here. I'm just going to do a simple introduction this week. We're going to go point one, we're going to make point three, point two, and then we're going to be out of here. But what I want to do is I want to give you those three gospels. And the first thing I would like to do is to make sure that you understand these three. The first gospel is what I'm going to call the authentic gospel. I want to make sure we understand the authentic gospel. And so to do that, I'm going to put up a definition of the authentic gospel. And this is what it this is how I would describe it. The gospel is the good news concerning what God has done for us through the birth, death, resurrection, ascension, and heavenly reign of Jesus Christ. Now, the reality is that many of us have, have heard this gospel explained before. Kids, I think you've heard this in some form or fashion. You've heard this when you've been at camp. Uh, the big idea of the authentic ticket is what God has done for us. That is what is so important to understand. It's not what we do. It's what he's done for us. Now, that is a description of the ticket. So you kind of know what it is. That doesn't mean we really understand. What does that mean, his life, death, resurrection, you know, his ascension? And how does that... Uh, Help me understand in depth this really thing called the gospel. A good illustration. Somebody, uh, I did a wedding this weekend for a, a, the daughter of a, one of my very dear, dear friends. And, and in doing so, they, they found out I often returned money, whatever, for doing a wedding and whatever. And they said, hey, uh, I want something. You, I want to give you a gift. And I want you to promise me before I give it to you. You won't give it away, but you'll use it. I want you to, I'm going to give you a gift. Now, I knew I was getting a gift. That was good news. So I had good news. But I couldn't utilize the gift. 
In fact, the gift was handed, and I couldn't open it at that time because of what we were doing, and so the gift was set aside until I could get back to be able to take it home and open it up. I had the gift, I knew about the gift, and that was good news. Do you know that the word gospel means good news? And a lot of people know that the good news is a great gift, and they know they've got this gift over here to open up, but they don't really know what's in the gift. You've got to understand this is an introduction to the series. Next week, we're going to open that up and see what the gift really is. But I'm telling you, it's been described in general here. The gift is the good news, which is what God has done for us through Christ. Big picture. Got it? Kids, I want you to remember that because we're going to, we're going to hopefully remember this for years and years to come. I'm going to give you a little outline in just a minute that's going to help you understand and remember this. So hang on for a minute. Just the descriptions first. Number two, I want to tell you what we would call the second, the counterfeit gospel. The counterfeit gospel. What is it? Now, know this, there's not, I'm not going to put a definition, but I want to describe the counterfeit to you just in a general format here. Here is the counterfeit. The counterfeit is actually something that looks so identical to the real because it talks about the same blessings. It talks about the same adventure. It talks about, you know, the, the great benefits, particularly eternally, that you get. But here is the big, big problem. This counterfeit gospel is not based on what God has done for us through Christ. Hear this. It's based on my own virtue. Whoever has this thing called the counterfeit gospel, it's all based on what my virtue, my goodness, my morality, my beliefs, what I have done for God and what I do for others, that's what's going to earn my way into that enchanted land that we all want to go to in this life and in the next. It is a counterfeit gospel. There are not a lot of us here that are probably saying, oh, I'm buying into that one. I did. I did for a long time. Many of you did. Some of you are here and saying that may be where I am right now. I'm in a counterfeit gospel. If so, hang on to that one. It's called the counterfeit. By the way, do you know that Jesus... Jesus so deplored this, um, this whole idea of virtue winning favor that this is what he did. He actually, through his teaching ministry, made a strong declaration over and over again that such virtue, goodness, kindness, love, all these things that we're doing that we think is going to be able to be offered to God and he will accept us because of it. Do you know what he says? He says it is actually more dangerous, hear this, more dangerous than the worst of immoral activity. Wow. More dangerous. Can you imagine, parents, if we had that same value system and said, you know what, I would rather probably, I'd probably rather have my child to be out doing a lot of immoral stuff than just to be a good religious person who really doesn't understand the authentic gospel. Caught in a counterfeit gospel. He would say, man, far, far more dangerous. 
By the way, if you noticed on your outline, I was planning to go into the early part of Luke 15. I'm going to hold that. But Luke 15 is the story of two lost sons. And one lost son is the one who is caught up in his immoral acts. The other is caught up in his virtue. And the teaching of that text is going to tell us far more dangerous to be the elder brother caught up in his own moral virtue, what he can offer to God. So that's the second. It's called the counterfeit gospel. Again, not many of us embrace it percentage-wise, but probably some of us need to know that. Here's what many of us are caught up in. I would predict, I would bet that well over half, maybe two-thirds of our people here probably are finding themselves in a distorted version of the real gospel. Let me just give you the explanation of what this distorted gospel is. The distorted gospel, actually, it's very similar to the authentic. It's, uh, um, it's certainly real. It's a valid ticket. But this has altered some of the details of the authentic gospel. Sometimes we don't even know that it's been altered. It's the only thing we've ever assumed and believed. It's never been instructed. You've never been taught. And consequently have believed this distorted version that has a lot of real, a lot of good in it, but it's still distorted. And what it does, it doesn't rob us of eternal bliss, but what it does do is it takes away in great proportion the fulfillment, the satisfaction of that journey, the adventure we're talking about. And there's many a Christian on that, on that adventure right now, they're not experiencing what it's meant to be. And they don't even understand why. It's because the gospel that they cherish has been distorted and it needs to be clarified. That's what we want to do. Now, for the last thing that I want to do outside, tell my story very quickly. Oh, let me do this first. Let me, let me just put up the, uh, the three and, and let me just kind of, I'm going to just put it on print here where you can, in print where you can see it. Let's start out with the authentic gospel. The authentic gospel, I can't do anything for God to accept me. That's the general belief of the authentic gospel. I cannot do anything for God to accept me. Now, we got to mine down into that. That's just the tip of the iceberg. But let's look, secondly, at the counterfeit gospel. This says, I have to do something for God to accept me. i got to do something for Him. If I don't, He's not going to do it for me. Here's the distorted view. Note the difference. Though God accepts me, based on what God has done for me, I have to do something for God to love me. A lot of people that are embracing the acceptance of God, but they don't think they're loved by God. Do you know where it, where it comes from? A wrong belief. Did you know this? Did you know that theology should and can dictate your morality or the way you live? Let me illustrate. Kids, think about this. Kids, what if you are told by your preacher or by your parents or by somebody who's a discipleship leader that you're in their group, but you hear, you hear that you are supposed to trust God? Now, let's assume that's, that's what you're told you should do and you believe it. But let's assume that you have been taught, you have believed because of circumstances, or you've not been taught well, whatever, 
but you believe that God is a very, very, very mean God. You just think he's in for hurting you and making life bad for you because of your experiences, whatever, but you believe that about God. Let me tell you, you can hear all you want. You can hear it over and over and over. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. And you can say, I want to trust God. I'll try to trust God. You won't trust God. Why? Because your theology is going to dictate what you believe about God. That's the theology is going to dictate the way you live. By the way, do you know equally true is there's a reverse of that. And parents, I'm going to close. And as I'm closing with my story, I'm going to say a little charge to you. Keep this in mind, morality and theology. But let me, let me go to the last point I want to make, and that is the outline. Just to give you the outline of these three versions of the gospel. The first one, and this is what I'm going to ask you if you can learn. We're going to have a little competition to see if you can remember this. So if you want to be writing this down, you can write them down. Some of you, you kids are so sharp, you'll just remember it. It's going to be pretty simple. But I want you to remember this, and I hope parents, I hope if you're back next week that you're going to take what this means and you're going to take it back little bit by little bit over the next seven weeks that follows. And you're going to hand it to your children in bite-sized ways so that they, at the end, will know even as we all do this authentic gospel. So here it is. The first outline will be that of the authentic gospel. It has three basic statements. And many at this church have heard these. Number one, we lost it all. Number two, he did it all. And number three, we get it all. We being all people, we lost it all. We need to discuss what that is. He, Jesus, did it all. We, his followers, we get it all. If you understand that, which we're going to mind deeply next week as we get into the scriptures on this, if you get that, you've got the authentic gospel. Counterfeit gospel. Let's put it up. Counterfeit gospel begins number one. We lost a little. He did a little. We get a little. I'll explain that next week. But kids, I want you to remember that. We lost a little. He did a little. We get a little. Got it? Now let's go to the third. And the third is the distorted gospel. It goes like this. Number one, we lost a lot. Number two, he did a lot. Number three, we get a lot. Okay? Now, I want us just to go over that one more time. And kids, I'm going to invite all of you to say this with me. Okay? We're going to start with the first one. And we're just going to do it out loud so we have an opportunity to try to learn it. All right? We're going to go first of all to the authentic gospel. And let's say, number one, we lost it all. Number two, he did it all. And number three, we get it all. Very good. The counselors are good too. I like that. <laughs> number two is going to be the counterfeit gospel. Number one, we lost a little. Number two, he did a little. And number three, we get a little. Very good. I wish our counselors were more enthusiastic, don't you? That's why you love them, don't you, kids? All right, number three, and this is the one, the danger one we got to be careful of, the distorted gospel. Number one, we lost a lot. Number two, he did a lot. And number three, we get a lot. All right, so you got that, kids? 
Get, let, me, let me just close the message, and then we're going to do the competition. That's what you've got to remember. All right? And what I'll do when we get there to competition, I'll take team one, and I will give, okay, first, the authentic gospel. I'll say one, and then you'll let me hear. Two, let me hear. Three. And then you as a congregation will judge which team remembers it the best. All right? Now, let me, let me close this out. When I was a young kid, I grew up in a family that went to a Protestant church. And it would call themselves a Christian church, obviously. Uh, I listened. Uh, I went to Sunday school at that church. I went to church at that church. I went to youth camp at that church. Uh, we were very, very involved in the church. Now, my parents weren't true followers of Jesus at that time. And so... I did go to church by their request, but I didn't hear anything else through the week much that related to church or certainly anything about this thing called the gospel. So I, I hear the word gospel. I may even have known that it meant good news. I don't know. But I would certainly be familiar with the term gospel. If somebody asked me, now, do you, do you agree with the gospel? Do you embrace the gospel? Do you accept the gospel? I would have been very quick to say yes, absolutely. Did I believe in Jesus? Yes, I did. Did I believe he died on the cross for sinners? I'd heard that much. I would say yes to that. Did I believe in the Bible? My church didn't fully believe in the Bible. They thought that some pieces were good and some weren't, and these are accurate, these aren't, and, you know, they had all that. But, but for the most part, I thought, you know, I think that's good stuff, and I, I think the Bible's important. I was trying to read it as a young kid some, and, and so certainly I thought I was a Christian. Then what happened is that some of my buddies started having an unusual life change. What was happening with them, they were starting on an adventure that was taking them to what they seemed to think was fulfillment and satisfaction. To the degree that I began to ask them about their story of what was happening and how I could experience that. And they said, look, we're not so good at articulating this, but you need to come where we're hearing this thing called the gospel. Well, I've heard of gospel. You need to come and you need to hear. So I started attending with them where I began to hear this gospel laid out. And for the first time, I understood it was not what I did for God. It was what he had done for me. I would have said at that time, there's no way anybody could ever know you're going to heaven. I worried about the fact that I didn't know. My church taught actually that you couldn't know because it all was determined by how you were living, if you were living a good enough life when you died. And nobody knows when they're dying unless they're very sick. And, and therefore, I didn't know. And I thought, man, I guess that's an unknown until the last hour. And then something happened. When I entered in on that journey, when I heard, heard the story and was given the ticket, I said, man, I want to cash in that ticket. And so I did. I became a follower of Christ. And when I became a follower of Christ, I'm telling you, my life changed, no doubt. Did I have a confidence in eternal bliss? I did for the first time. That was one of the big things. I saw life changing in my heart. I knew I was a different person. But several years go by from that point to the point I describe now where somebody introduced me to what I'm going to call now the distorted gospel versus the authentic. 
And I recognized they didn't use those terms. They didn't have these outlines. But I'm telling you, when I heard the real authentic gospel, I said, I haven't been believing that in full. I've been believing parts of it, but not the full story. In fact, some things I've been thinking something totally opposite that's in the real gospel. And when I got that clarified, I'm telling you, that's when the journey, the adventure, began to have its fulfillment and satisfaction even in the midst of hard times, suffering, pain that comes just in life in general, and, and some in part because I was even a Christian following the Lord. It was all the difference in the world when I began to learn the difference between the authentic gospel and the distorted version. Not sure where you are, folks, but you want to make sure you've got the real deal. The next seven weeks, we're devoting ourselves to understand it. Next week, I'm going to go into the scriptures that explain each of these. The next, we're going to jump into Luke 15 for a number of weeks. I hope you'll be reading Luke 15, the text that's in your, in your bulletin. You just read it. See what you think it's saying. And then we'll mine down into it and make it hopefully very, very clear. A word to parents. And then we'll do our little competing end. Parents, you know your, you know your job number one, don't you? Your job number one is not to make your kids Christian. Because did you know this? You can't make your kids Christian. Do you know only God through his spirit can make people his followers? We don't do that. We don't control what our kid wants to do in terms of use of ticket. But what we can do is we can make sure they have the ticket and at the same time try to help our kids become God-fearers. God-fearers. Do you know when kids become God-fearers, we have a high likelihood that we're going to see that same kid take that ticket and say, I want to use it. There's something unique about God-fearers, and that is this. God-fearers tend to find their theology dictating their morality. That's good. Because they begin to say what's true, and they let true shape what they end up doing. You with me? God-fearers. If we raise our kids and they're not God-fearers, I tell you what's going to happen. You can count on it. Their morality will dictate their theology. They'll believe what they want to believe. And many will even go to the Bible if they've been churched. They'll go to the Bible and they will support their wrongdoing with the Bible itself. Then it's really confusing. What they need to see is the, the reverence to God being who he is, almighty God. That's the beauty of worship. The beauty of being able to instruct your children and learn about the great Jehovah of old and Jesus and who he is as our Savior and Master and the reverence that we offer to him and how we bow before him because we love him. If they see that and they grow up understanding that, now there's a great opportunity because then good theology will dictate morality. That's what we want to see happen. And so I'm going to encourage you parents, incentivize your children. Incentivize them to understand this thing called the gospel. Come, make sure you understand it. And then incentivize them. They don't do that often in our family, but when our kids are growing up, there were certain things we said, this is so important for our kids to know, so important that we want them to learn this. Hey, 
Then I say, I know that you would really love this, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you can learn this, I'll give you that. And I think this may be a time, parents, that you might want to say, hey, kids, why don't you take this little outline? If you learn this outline, you give them something that would be meaningful to them because if they carry this outline with them, they're going to have new spectacles. It's like glasses. And when they see the authentic version, they'll say, that's it. When they see the counterfeit, unlike other kids, they'll say, ah, that's counterfeit. That's not real. And hopefully they understand deeply the real deal versus the distorted. Okay? With that, let's close this out with a little competition. Y'all okay? So worship's ended. Now we're going to compete. All right? We got our counselors here to help us. We got our kids. Remember everybody, Thunder, Ducks, Alpha, Lions, Romans. You are team one. Team two is Lightning, Sharks, Omega, Eagles, and, and uh, Galatians. Okay? Let's see if we can remember these. And so here's what I'll do. I'm going to start at the bottom with the distorted version. We're going to end with the authentic. And I'm going to ask that team one, Thunder, Ducks, Alpha, Lions, and Romans, let's see if we can do it. The distorted gospel is going to be first. All right? The distorted gospel. You remember it? All right. Number one. We lost a lot. Number two. He did a lot. Number three. We get a lot. All right. Team two. Let's see you do this. All right. Now you've got a little help because you've already heard it once. All right. Keep that in mind, judges. All right. The distorted gospel, so we get to hear it all one more time, is first one what? We lost a lot. Number two. He did a lot. And number three. We get a lot. All right. Do you judging? You figuring out which one? All right. All right. We're going to flip it around this time because we're going to let team two go first this time. So remember that, judges. This is team two this time. We're going to go up now to the counterfeit gospel. Can you remember that one? Counterfeit gospel. Keyword starts with an L. Got it? All right. Here we go. This is team number two. Number one. We lost a little. Number two. He did a little. Number three. We get a little. All right. Let's go to team number one. Let's see how you do. Number one. All right. Number two. Number three. Ooh, that, that was team one. Huh? Hmm. I don't want to sway the judges, but that was pretty good. All right, now we go to the last, and we're going to call one or two. One or two. Two? All right, it's two. So two's going to go first this time. Sorry, I had, had to put one of you first. All right, number two, you're going to go first. All right, this is going to be the authentic gospel. Number one. Number two. He did it all. Number three. All right. All right, let's go to team one. And number one is? We lost it all. Number two. And number three. All right, judges, you got to make a decision. We got to close this thing out. We need a decision. 
If you think that team number one wins, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Team number one, how many of you think team number one? All right, let's see what it looks like. How many, don't, don't be confused, watch this. How many think number two won? Raise your hand. I think number one has won it, so way to go, number one. All right. Now, the real, the real winners are those that grow up remembering those three and keep looking forever for those three. Remember this, go to the cross. It's at the cross we see the great love of God. That's what He did for us. There was a lot that went into that, not just the cross, but that's where we see the culmination of His love. You see that, make sure you get it all. Because once you understand that you get the great exchange, which I'll talk about next week, the great exchange, you and I get it all. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for these kids again. Thank you for a great week here just to be able to rehearse this gospel for the many weeks of camp and the next three or four that come to end up this, uh, this ending of this summer. We pray, continue to bless, and may we know the authentic gospel. May we as the kids embrace that authentic gospel. May we as parents affirm that gospel and keep teaching it over and over that we might be a, a young people here whose theology dictates morality, all based on a love relationship that all starts because of what you've done for us, not what we do for you. But we thank you now. We pray now that you would bless as we close this service out, that you would receive honor and thanks for all you do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.